Well, I am glad that we can be together this morning uh, as we continue walking through our sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, which we are, of course, calling Jesus' Donkey Kingdom Manifesto. Uh, a week before he was arrested, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and in the prophecy that talks about that event, we see that the reason he chooses a donkey is to show the kind of king, the kind of Messiah that he is, and the kind of kingdom he is going to bring, one of righteousness, victory, and lowliness. Our victory is assured, but worldly status, power, or standing is not. We have a donkey messiah who points the way of the donkey kingdom. And the Sermon on the Mount is where we hear directly from Jesus about life in his kingdom. What's important, what, what matters, how we're supposed to live in this kingdom. It's his manifesto, so to speak. And we've come to a part of the manifesto where Jesus gives us a model prayer, a, a template to use to help us in learning how donkey kingdom citizens pray. We oftentimes call this the Lord's Prayer. We're going through this in a kind of series within a series, and we've already talked about the first couple of lines. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, maybe some of you aren't as familiar with this prayer, and that's, that's fine. Uh, but maybe some of you have heard this prayer before. Maybe some of you have heard it a lot in your life. But just because we've heard it before and are familiar with it, some of us, doesn't mean that we always pray a lot or that prayer is easy for us. Uh, Tim Keller was a respected pastor, theologian, and author who pastored a church out in New York City. And in a sermon he preached on prayer, he said this, I happen to know that it is harder to pray for 30 minutes than to preach for 30 minutes. I've had some bad sermons, he says, but I've never, they've never been so bad that I forgot I was preaching. <laughs> but I can tell you many times when I've been on my knees before the king of the universe and I forget that I'm praying. Praying is harder than preaching, he says. <laughs> I've had people tell me, man, I don't know how you come up with stuff to say every single week. Right? But Keller's right here. You know, it is way easier to preach for 30 minutes than to pray for 30 minutes. Have you ever been praying and fallen asleep? Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> it's a safe space here, guys. It's okay. You can... <laughs> Have you ever been praying and forgotten that what you were saying and then you find yourself like humming a song or end up thinking about something else or planning the next big event coming up, right? Honestly, <laughs> I've had that happen in conversations with real people that I can see, right? I'll be talking with someone, a thought will pop into my head and I lose them for 20 seconds or so. And then I come back and I have no idea what they're saying. I just have to kind of smile and pretend I'm tracking with them. That hasn't happened with anyone in here, of course. <laughs> it's only other people. Um, but we're looking at how to pray during this series. Uh, and the, the prayer template that Jesus gives doesn't take 30 minutes to get through. It's more like 30 seconds. God's not looking for long, verbose, and flowery prayers from his followers. He's looking for honest 
and sincere conversations. So with that, we're picking up in the prayer this morning where we left off. Matthew 6, 9 says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So a kingdom isn't something that we're used to here in the States. Uh, even in a place like the United Kingdom, they're not really used to what this is referring to. Uh, we don't know what it's like to live under a king. But in a kingdom, you have a king and you have those who live under the king, his, his kingdom. And in the kingdom, whatever the king wants or whatever he wills is what goes. It's the same thing with God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, he is king. And what he wants, what he desires, is what rules. And there are two aspects to this request, that, that, that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done. There's, there's the right now sense. right? The, the sense that we're praying that God's kingdom, his will would break into our world right now. And, and right all of the things that are wrong. Change hearts to love him fully and, and restore relationships and this world back to him. But there's also a not yet but someday sense to this request. In this sense, we're praying for the day to come when his kingdom comes in its perfection. Right? In its fullness. We're telling God that we're waiting and excited for the day when he comes again and his kingdom is perfected. So this part of the prayer is for right now and it's an expression of our hope in our future with him. But here's where this prayer gets tough for us. Okay, In the, in the first line that we looked at, in the first couple of weeks, verse 9, where we say, Our Father in heaven, we acknowledge, as we talked about the last couple of weeks, we acknowledge that we might have some work to do, right? To either fully acknowledge God as a present and good Father, or to acknowledge Him as a perfect and holy God of the universe. Right? We'll have work to do in those areas, for sure. But it's the next part, today's part, where it starts to cost us something. Because when we pray for God's kingdom to come, when we pray for God's will to be done, whose will are we not praying to be done? Ours. Mine. And this is tricky because sometimes my will might be different than God's. So this is where it starts to get real for us. Because what is God's will? And that's like the million dollar question, like forever, right? What is God's will for my life? <laughs> we are not going to answer that question specifically for each and every one of you here this morning for each circumstance. But we certainly know the overall grand will of God for this world. And that's to redeem it, to restore it back to perfection and a perfected relationship with him. That's what we're working toward and what he will ultimately bring to pass. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us that this is his will for us. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It's what we talk about in our church's purpose statement, right? To bring healing and hope to our communities by connecting people to God, his church, and his mission. So when we pray for his will to be done, it is a missional prayer. It's a prayer for God's cause. It's the cause of bringing more people into a reconciled relationship with God, with each other, and to reconcile this world to him. We aren't, we aren't praying that God would give us a comfortable building. We're not praying that God would give us a great sound system. We're not praying for a rocking children's program. We're not praying for air conditioning. We're not praying for more funds or giving. We're not praying for a better looking pastor, although some of you might be. We are praying for his kingdom to come. This is a prayer of reconciliation, of redemption. If we had none of those other things, right? if we didn't have a building, if we didn't have a children's program, if we didn't have air conditioning, if we didn't have money, if we didn't have a full-time paid pastor, this church would not be hindered in its mission of reconciliation. Don't get me wrong, it's nice to have those things. I'm very glad that we do. But we don't need them. God doesn't need them. Listen, God loves people so much that he didn't want his mission to depend on resources that only a few churches in the history of the world have ever been able to afford. He created us in his image, and sin has broken our connection with him. It's broken our ability to have a right relationship with our creator. So God sent Jesus to be the sacrifice that was required of us the one that we couldn't afford to give so that we could be with him again. God's already done the hard part. He's just given us the job of connecting the dots for people. That's what our mission is, essentially. It's just making the connection. I'm, I'm reminded of the movie Back to the Future uh, because, of course, I am. Um, Marty McFly is stuck. If you haven't seen this movie, by the way, I, I don't apologize if there's any spoiler here. It's been long enough. Marty McFly is stuck in 1955, and he has to get back to 1985. In order to generate the power that is needed to power the time machine, 
The scientist who invented it, Doc Brown, figures out a way to harness the power of lightning into the car. But the cable that's needed to connect the lightning to the car gets pulled apart. And so at the last minute, Doc is able to get the two ends of the cable and connect them so that the power can flow from the lightning into the car and Marty gets home, a better home. <laughs> God has already provided the power to save us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're just making the connection for people. We take the, one, the hand of one who doesn't know him yet, and we put it in the hand of Jesus and let him do the work from there. We're just making the connection. We are on a mission. And this part of the Lord's Prayer is where, where we see that when we pray, we need to make mission a central part of things. In our uh, weekly prayer calls on Zoom for the church, we have different sections of prayers. We have, we've got up, in, and out prayers. Um, we start with the up prayers, which are directed at God and praising Him. Then we move to our in prayers, which are uh, prayers for the church, you know, people here in the needs and ministries. Uh, then we pray our out prayers, uh, which are missional prayers. And it's a part of our prayer every week. And you're invited, by the way. Uh, every week you don't have to pray out loud. That can't be your excuse anymore. We don't force anyone to pray who doesn't want to. But we encourage you to join us in prayer, even if silently. And we see more about the priority of missional prayers when we look at the structure of the Lord's Prayer here. We start the prayer off with praise and worship. We acknowledge God for who he is, both Father and Sovereign, as we talked about before. Only once we've done that can we move on to petitions or requests or asking for things. But before we ask for anything for ourselves, the first petition, the first request is for mission. For God's kingdom to come and his will to be done here in Exton, Lionville, Downingtown, Coatesville, Malvern, as it is in heaven. Prayer for our needs comes after our prayer for God's mission, which all comes after worship. And why is this order important? Well, because our needs that we pray for will be inherently less selfish <laughs> when we've started off by acknowledging who God is to us, Father and Sovereign, and then praying for His will, His mission for us. Now, this isn't the mandatory way to pray. This isn't a command or anything, but it's a darn good suggestion. <laughs> so what does this mean for us as a church? Well, you know, we're, we're often inclined to our own comfort as people, right? It's natural. But maybe praying this prayer means that we will be less comfortable. It might mean that instead of praying for your friends and neighbors to come here to church, maybe it means that you take Jesus to them. Maybe it means that you take the good news of the gospel of Jesus into areas of life and society that need that good news. 
Maybe it means that your backyard or your kitchen becomes the next satellite campus of Marsh Creek Community Church. Yes, our main gathering happens here on Sundays at 101 Crump Road. But when I have my neighbors over to visit, they're visiting the Marsh Creek Community Church location at 124 Locust Knoll Road. Maybe God wants to teach us that when we pray, we pray less for people to have autonomous spiritual epiphanies and more for the times when we can instead have the uncomfortable conversations with other people about God, where we rely more on his power than our own eloquence. There's nothing wrong with praying for the Spirit to speak to people in miraculous ways, and we will continue to do that. But when we pray for that so that it absolves us of any responsibility of taking on the ministry of reconciliation, we're doing it wrong. It means we pray for the growth of his kingdom and less for the growth of our kingdom. Because listen, the throne of our hearts will always have someone sitting on it. The throne of your heart will always be occupied. The question is, who will be sitting there? Because if we want God's kingdom to come, that means we're asking for a new ruler. Right? Not another person, not a politician, not even ourselves. And look, most of the time, we're not, we're not making choices to, like, purposely thwart God's will in our lives, right? It's rarely as conscious as that, right? Oftentimes when our will wins over God's, it's not like we're saying, hey, God, forget you, right? I'm going to go and have that extramarital affair and you can't stop me, you know? Like, it's not like that usually. <laughs> or I know you want me to be honest in my taxes, but I need the money so my will be done. It's, not, it's almost never that drastic, right, or severe, almost. But usually it's something like, I am too tired to go to church today. <laughs> right, or, oh man, that was totally an opportunity to talk about God with my coworker, but, but I wasn't ready. I didn't have the answers that I really wanted, so I'll, I'll get them next time. Yeah. Or I've been so busy, I haven't had the time to call that friend who needs it. It's stuff that doesn't seem huge at the time. But over time, it leads to us doing what we think is most important or fun or comfortable and leaves what God wants out in the cold. It's rarely as obvious. It's rarely an obvious outright flouting of his will. It's usually a small moment of forgetting right? or, or disregarding. Or excusing. But listen, little choices build huge kingdoms. Can you say that with me here? Little choices build huge kingdoms. Have you heard the expression, Rome wasn't built in a day? Right? I think a lot of us have. It means that a huge empire like Rome took time to build, right? It didn't happen overnight. When you build something, you do it brick by brick. 
When I'm building Legos with my kids, you know, we go one brick at a time, and before you know it, you've got a castle, you've got a spaceship, you've got a mech, you've got a dragon. When you're building a kingdom, you build it brick by brick. It takes years. Most Lego sets don't take years, but kingdoms take years. It may not seem like a huge deal to skip your time with God today because you're exhausted. But that becomes a foundation. Right? Just one more brick in the wall that goes toward whatever kingdom you're building. So this is where we get to the crux here. If we want God's kingdom to come, if we want God's will to be done here on earth like it is in heaven, then we've got to pray for it and We've got to start making those little choices that will build that kingdom. A little choice is never just a little choice when it becomes part of a pattern. Little choices build huge kingdoms. So what are some little choices you can make to bring this prayer to fruition in your life? When you pray for it, it will change your heart. So yes, we pray for it because from our prayer comes our change of heart to even desire his will. And from prayer comes the power of the Spirit unleashed in our lives to actually accomplish his will. So we pray like Jesus instructed us here. But we also make the little choices that build huge kingdoms. What choices do you need to make? What, uh, what choices, what, what patterns of choices do you need to break? Will you make the decision to spend some time with God and his word tomorrow? Will you make the decision to actually talk about God, right, with a friend uh, during regular conversation and just see what happens? Will you make the decision to pray for your neighbors? Will you make the decision to pray for God's will to be done instead of yours? What little choice can you make to break the pattern of building your kingdom and start building God's kingdom? There's a, there's a prayer that we pray to close our weekly prayer calls with. Um, I read it here recently, but I want to pray, pray it again I want to read it again because the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's a template, right? It's, it's, um, it's not the, what we are required to pray. We don't have to pray those exact words. Um, and this prayer is kind of putting the words from today, the words of the Lord's Prayer that we're looking at today, it kind of puts it in some different, different words. The prayer goes like this. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. 
It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Little choices build huge kingdoms. And we want God's kingdom to come. We want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. As individuals and as a corporate expression of God's people here at, as a church, what are we praying for? I'd like to close our time by praying the Lord's template prayer together. It should be up on the screen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power 